You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Bert is co-owner of Sornex Exercise Equipment, which is responsible for the design and production of some of the most innovative training solutions in the human performance world. Bert's unique combination of growing up in the human performance world under the watchful eye of his father, Richard Soren, and competing in power production sports at the international level gave Bert valuable insight to direct the Sornex brand. During his time at the University of South Carolina, he was a four-time Division I All-American in track and field, the hammer and 35-pound weight throw, and also broke the SEC record in the weight throw. He was a 2000 and 2004 Olympic trials athlete and amateur world champion Highland Games heavy athletics. He has taken his experience as an athlete and coach and assembled an all-star team at Sorenex of some of the most capable and dynamic people in the strength industry. Soren is a published strength author and has written articles for the NSCA, Long and Strong Throwers Journal, Milo, Men's Fitness, and Journal of Mountain Hunting, as well as sought-after guests on many strength and culture podcasts. His areas of expertise in the field include power production, speed of implements, sport-specific application, program and equipment design, shooting, hunting, survival, and invention of cutting-edge training solutions. Bert and his wife, Leslie, enjoy raising their three children in Lexington, South Carolina. Welcome to the podcast, Beyond Sets and Reps, Mr. Bert Soren. Welcome, Bert. Thank you, Dr. Pat. I really appreciate it. it, uh, it it's an honor to get to to get to talk with you anytime, but to uh, to be on your show is is amazing. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is a pleasure. We, we have wanted you on our podcast for a long time, a very long time. Yeah, well, well, thank you. And, and, uh, and hopefully a part of that was uh, you finally coming as a guest and a speaker of Summer Strong last year, which I had wanted for a long time. So uh, it's, it's fun to get to work with people that have mutual respect for one another. So it's, you know, we, we've, we've been down that road for a long time and it's, it's fun to get to work together more and more. Definitely the pleasure is mine. Absolutely. You know, can you start off, just tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself. You know, obviously we know, uh, the Sornex exercise brand, but the name of this podcast is beyond sets and reps. So we want to go a little bit beyond that. Sure. Can you tell me? Sure. Well, um, I was kind of that kid who never had a, an, a specific image or, or a place, uh, growing up, I, I was kind of a Jack of all trades, master of none. Definitely never first picked. I wouldn't say always last, but, but close to it. What wasn't really athletic, uh, only child. So I kind of did things, you know, to my own drum, um, spent a lot of time in the outdoors. It wasn't, uh, I wrestled a little bit my freshman year in, in uh, high school and, um, 
it, it didn't really shake out. They wanted me to, to lose weight and everything like wrestlers generally do. And I was trying to gain weight. So I was trying to lift weights and, and get strong. So, um, that wasn't a really a thing. So, um, I didn't, I didn't actually become an athlete, um, until my junior year in high school, which was throwing the discus. And I had a couple years of that and honestly wasn't very good. And, um, but I always enjoyed lifting weights. I was a late bloomer. So my athletic career looked to be as lackluster as possible. Um, but I always respected athletes and I always respect his strength. I mean, you, you can't grow up in a Soren household around Richard Soren and not, and not understand strength and, and, um, you know, as a 10 year old kid, knowing the names of Saxon and Sandow and Gorner and, you know, um, all the, the Pearl and all the names of, of that era, it, kind of a weird kid, but, you know, thankfully those things have come to be valuable assets for me later in life. But so anyway, uh, had a, a lackluster career early on and, and stumbled onto the South Carolina track and field team as a freshman uh, there at South Carolina. And it, it was a very Forrest Gump-like scenario that allowed me to get on the team. And, uh, and I fell in love. I fell in love with uh, human performance. I fell in love with training. I fell in love with the struggle. I fell in love with pushing myself harder than I ever thought and, and wanting to quit every day, but not quitting and coming back. And, and I got addicted to every four weeks, we had a hundred percent rep day, which was basically a max out day. And I got addicted to PRing every four weeks. Uh, you know, there's not only a chemical addiction, whether it be dopamine, oxytocin, whatever you may have, but, um, I got addicted to understanding how to get better and, and knowing that I was then in control of, uh, to a great extent of my success. And, and then for the first time in my life at 18 years old, I saw myself as someone that I, that I respected as a title, which was an athlete. So that was kind of how it all started, uh, from an athlete athletic side for me. And, um, that's why I still love the strength game so much because it gave me basically everything. And, uh, and I still enjoy track and field and I still enjoy throwing because, you know, I, I'm just a kid that likes to see stuff go far. And I like, I like lifting heavy weights and I like to see what, what type of stress I could put under my body under and, you know, kind of diving deep quickly is I'm the kind of person that I guess I always had a chip on my shoulder growing up because I always believed that <clears throat> I could do something better than what I was doing. I just didn't know what it was, but everyone around me didn't believe that. And I was kind of inside going, no, I could do this. But although I didn't really know what this was, um, and then when I found throwing, then that was the thing. I said, aha, here's where I'm going to shine. Here's where I'm going to do something special. Um, but still, I was skinny and weak and and didn't have experience. So still, I was very much counted out for my first few years, which um, – somewhat became an addiction. I used to call it, you know, the, I would like to be the apple cart guy. If, if the apple cart was, I was the guy that was going to ruin it. If everyone's, you know, if I came in ranked eighth, my goal was to get fifth. If you know, I wanted to ruin people's day, I wanted to go in there. I wanted to take their lunch from them. Um, and it sounds kind of 
whatever, but I just wanted to prove to them and, and thus prove to myself that I was good enough. And, you know, and that goes into the deeper psychology, but I think every man and woman in many ways want, want out of their life. I just maybe had a potentially an unhealthy <laughs> connection to it, but I think that's maybe carried me for a couple decades. Well, actually, you brought it up there right at the end of talking about the psychology of it. Because as you were talking, I was listening to you say things, you know, like you were weird and weak and skinny. And it was like Forrest Gump type thing. And, you know, <laughs> like a little. <laughs> and that's, you know, meeting you and the, you know, the company that you guys have built and that you continue to grow. It doesn't, those aren't the words that come to mind, I'm assuming, when most people think of you. Um, but so it was interesting to me that those are the words that you used to describe kind of before you found what it is that you excelled at. And so I guess my question is, do you think, you know, with your guys's your phrase of be legendary, your podcast title is be legendary. Um, do you think that there needs to be a little bit of that weirdness and chip on your shoulder to Absolutely. then develop that into the the legendary mindset? Absolutely. Um, I mean, a couple ways, you, you know, you kind of uh, jumping all over real quick and you'll see where I'm going with it. But my son, uh, my oldest son was um, tested a, about a year and a half ago and he was on this, on the autism spectrum, not heavily, but somewhere on there. And, and then we just noticed through a couple social cues and things like that. He wasn't quite, it, some people could just say maybe he was a little bit uh, slow in development or behind, but I thought there was maybe something else. And, um, and so it's interesting as I delve further into that and then talk to more and more of my friends that had similar scenarios with their children. Um, a good friend of mine uh, actually runs a camp for autistic kids. And he's, he said, he goes, well, he goes, here's the cool thing about it, that there, there's a, it's an imbalance, but the imbalance is in one area makes them almost superhuman. And so they have this, a bit, these abilities and our, and our goal is to find what these abilities are and hyper expose them while we balance out the things that they're maybe not as strong with. And, and in la we kind of laughed about it. And I said, wow, you know, I, I watched my son. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of me and him, you know, and we, he kind of laughed and he goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, I think me too. He goes, I'm terrible at math, but I understand music a lot. And his name was Zach Brown. And we were sitting there talking and we kind of la both laughed and we we're like, well, and then we talked to a good friend of ours, Derek and Derek, you know, pointed out, he goes, yeah, I kind of feel that's the same way with me because I was just weird kid. And so a lot of these, these hyper successful people, I think were weird kids growing up. that were just the outliers, but found their superpower or found their thing they tapped into or found their stimulus that made that part of their brain work in overdrive. And, and it's almost like a massaging of the brain training for me and excelling and, and trying things that are outside of the ordinary or the expected and excelling is like, is like massaging my, my brain, like it's just, it feels so good, which becomes almost an addictive thing. And now I don't, I don't know if I would be on the spectrum or whatever, but I think it's that being said, I think it's a, it's a trait that people have, or they kind of don't. Um, and, and some of it is through pain. Some of it's through discomfort that they don't like being the kid picked on, or they don't like being poor, or they don't like being, uh, alone or whatever it may be, uh, or they don't like understanding things or whatever, but 
I think if you're too content with life, you're never, there's never an external stimulus large enough to create an internal drive to, to change your, your environment. And you hear people say, well, you know, embrace the suck. Well, screw that. I'm not going to embrace a suck. I'm going to try to change my environment. I'm going to try to make my environment better for me and those around me. And that's, I know I've kind of jumped around a lot, but that's kind of to answer your question in a, in a long form. Um, I believe, I believe there's, there's something in, in, in people that if they could tap into that and they just decide, okay, the, the playing around's over and I'm going to go after this. And, and when you start putting points on the board, uh, it feels really, really good. And that's, that's the idea of be legendary. It's not saying that we're legendary or saying that we're this good. It's, it's the, the war cry of, Hey, I don't care what it is you do, but go out and do it and do it so hard that even if you fall down, you fall down with so much momentum, you slide across the ground 10 yards when you get up and you try it again and you keep trying again. And I don't care if that's playing the flute. I don't care if that's computer programming. I don't care if it's deadlifting 800 pounds, whatever it is, leave something of, of value and like leave a footprint on this earth and leave a footprint fingerprint some people's hearts, like to what you've done with this short time that we have on this earth. So, but if you don't find what, what really makes your needle move, um, then it's some long work weeks and it's a, it's a, not a fun life. I would, I would think, but thankfully at about 17 years old, I've, I figured out what, what things make my motor run. And, uh, and I basically sold out everything else to, to chase it. Well, Bert, you know, I've, I've known you for a few years and I first met your dad at a conference. And the one thing I know that he inspires in others is this, this, uh, I would say competitiveness but he does it in a way that's really subtle. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's his body language. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's his eyes. It's it's just a part of who he is. And I'm guessing, um, you know, when you talk about your son and having autism and just knowing that fighting spirit, that competitive spirit that comes with being a Soren, I just... I would imagine that you all looked at this and say, "Hey, here's a challenge," yes. and um, as a family, we're gonna we're gonna whoop. Yes, that. absolutely. And and we found a um, and actually Zach helped us out. He there's a thing called Brain Balance, and it was this this special school where they integrate a holistic approach uh, between diet and 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 so then all we did like to speak to what you said, Pat, was exactly that. We saw it as a training problem that we needed to put in a, a training solution. So then the training solution was uh, a, a diet that we went through systematically and found out things that were triggers. Um, we learned that some of his primitive reflexes were still intact, which are actually building blocks to the brain, which because they were still intact, the reflexes, they didn't allow him to create uh, different um upward extensions within his mind for reading and math and, and socialization and things like that. So we actually had to go back and literally do physical training. Uh, some of them were pull up holds and, and uh, all kinds of different physical training pieces that, that used bilateral function. 
And it was awesome for me because I learned so much about the human body and the brain during that process. And so every night he would come home and he had exercises we had to do together. Um, and, and actually pops was having him lift weights, uh, once or twice a week. And we saw that it accelerated it heavily, um, heavy deadlifts, heavy for him. I mean, he's six and I think he got up to right around hundred pounds, but he would do singles and doubles, which most people say that's absolutely crazy. But what they also found with autistic kids, and some of them have a, a lowered sense of sensitivity. So by him able to pull against something heavy, it was actually felt good for him. And so he loved the struggle. But what we saw that was when he went to that class and was lifting weights, his reading shot through the roof. It was incredible. So all of a sudden he went from barely being able to read to he was the best reader in the class in like four months. Um, so that's the stuff that makes me excited because it falls right back into the world of human performance and physical training. And, and then it kind of bleeds in obviously to the, the training of the mind and the training of mindset and, um, and emotional training. And so, yeah, you're exactly right, Pat. We did see it as, okay, this is, this is what we have up against us. And, um, how are we going to fight this and how are we going to come out on top and how are we again, just going to have that chip on our shoulder and say, okay, this is what you expect us to do. Well, we're going to do 300% that because that's how this rolls. So it was fun. This podcast is sponsored by Soranex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Soranex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Soranex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Soranex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. That's incredible. That's, I mean, just the, the results. I mean, that's, that's insane to just, to think about that. And we actually, I mean, we were talking about a little bit before the show, but we had Jen on our, on our most recent episode and she is a huge proponent of movement being medicine. And I mean, that just, that really speaks to it right there. I mean, can you speak on, I know, you know, being an exercise equipment company, I mean, you guys are so much more than that, but you know, to, to sum it up, I guess, um, in creating custom equipment and things like that. Can you, you know, tell us a little bit about kind of the philosophy behind joining the movement as medicine. And I know you guys are really into like kind of like grassroots movements, like summer strong started with less than 40 people. (laughs) And, you know, now it's over 500. Like, it's kind of like you guys are these grassroots company that is kind of dabbling in, you know, medicine and conferences and strength and exercise equipment and like, it's basically like anything you guys can get your hands on. So I think it's awesome. But I mean, how do you, how do you like, you know, kind of rein it in and keep it under, I guess, your umbrella? I don't want to say rein it <laughs> well, in because keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> but how do you make sure that, you know, you can keep finding those things that are in line with your grassroots philosophy? And That's, that's a good question. That's honestly a difficult one for us. Um, it, there's been no... Um, 
no surprise that that, that Sorenex is run off of emotion and passion, which is definitely a secret ingredient. But also, that's that's hard at times because it you know the the opposite of emotion is rational thought in many times. So um, we have to make sure that we do rein things in specifically, and we have specific members of our company that are there. Um, one of my employees actually calling my no man and his job among other things <laughs> is to say no to me. And it's not that we're not going to do them, but if he, he knows that he has to say no enough times to make me convince him because that helps me understand, is this an emotional thing that I really like a rabbit? I'd like to chase down the hole because I like chasing rabbits or is it something that three weeks from now is still going to sound like a good idea? Um, so part of why so many things go so many directions is because of, you know, my father and I and, and our team have a passion for life and a passion for things that we're interested in. And it just so happens that strength and conditioning is one. The outdoors is one. Um, social experiment, I would say experimentation, but it's a bit of a social experiment. And that, that's why I can kind of consider all of life is what, it's, it's leadership. It's, it's, um, inspiration is how can, you know, I find it very interesting if my company or myself or my family could say, help someone, um, and, and not just help. I, I love helping anybody, but if I could help someone that maybe has a big footprint on this world, then, then I know just mathematically I'm positively affecting the world on a bigger level, if that makes sense. So if they, yeah. I think Jen even talked about it, her mom was a teacher and maybe X number of kids she taught, but because she taught Jen certain things, Jen has a larger, um, a larger gra or larger coverage. And so she's able to, you know, inspire millions. So her mom in that way, her roots are still bearing fruit all over the world. And so, you know, that's a, one of the things I just, it was never thought about, but I just found that I really enjoyed it is finding people that were super, uh, I don't say valuable, but I don't want to say celebrity either, but you get what I'm saying. Someone that has impact on those around leaders. And then if I could be a servant and help in some way, or my company could help them in some way or change their mindset, or, and we could sit down and have these great conversations where maybe both of our mindset gets changed then we found that we could be more impactful on a positive level uh, on the world. And, and, you know, it's great that we sell weightlifting equipment. I think we, we make really awesome products. I do. Uh, I wouldn't allow it, them to come out if they weren't. Um, but that's just the cover charge. That's the cover charge of this whole thing is that's what keeps the lights on. But the goal of it is, is to make the world a stronger place and, and to, uh, and to just see people succeed. Someone else succeeding doesn't take any shine off of my apple at all. In fact, it it it, it makes it better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like you, yeah. uh, Pat, with you know, with your yeah, you were a high school stud, a college stud, NFL, but now you're in administration and and helping young young people. You know that the Pat Ivy legacy is going to be so much greater of what you did at Missouri, what you've done, you know, Louisville now. I mean, that's, that's the stuff, right? That other stuff was just a, just a cover charge to get there. 
Yeah, you know, you you remind me of a conversation we had maybe a few weeks back, and you talked about um, doing what you love, but you talked about combining your yes. passions, and and when you when you're able to do that, you talked about the special moments that you create when you're able to combine your passions and the people that you touch and can impact. Uh, talk about some of those passions and why you, how you combine them, why do you combine them, and, and how do you help others? Well, I, I try. Whether it works all the time, I, you know, I don't want to come across as a self-help guru or anything. Um, I, I, we try as best we can, but um, it's easy if it's it's easy to be excited about something if you're excited about it. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's when you were playing football and you loved it. Well, I'm sure there were a lot of parties you went to that someone asked which, and the, the the conversation went quickly to football because that's what you're on your mind. That's what you love. And I don't have a very good filter, so whatever's on my mind, uh, I'm pretty excited about. So I love human performance and I love strength conditioning and 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 accepting, you know, accelerating and, and making your life better, but also my heart's in the outdoors. I, I love hunting and fishing and exploring and, and just, I mean, yesterday I got off of work and, and, and honestly, instead of training, cause I trained on Sunday, I said, well, I, I just drove down, uh, downtown to the Congaree national swamp and put on a big high pair of boots and went, walked for about four hours. Just, I don't know, just to see what's out there. Um, but that was, that was my highlight, um, just to get to know, I mean, I, I love the, the purity. I love the, the truthfulness of nature. That's what I learned when I was a kid. Um, when I would go deer hunting, uh, my father would tell me, you know, Hey, make sure you bring this, make sure you bring your flashlight, make sure you bring your, your raincoat or whatever it may be. And, you know, I've spent a lot of days freezing my butt off because I didn't bring a raincoat or I've spent a lot of dark, <laughs> scary nights in the woods because my flashlight died. And I didn't bring extra batteries or a second set or whatever it may be. But what I understood was from those experiences, I'm in control of, I'm not in control of how the world works, but I'm in control of how I react to it and how I prepare for it. And if I'm going to be cold the, the world and nature doesn't care. It doesn't care if I die out for, of, of hyperthermia. It doesn't care if I die because I get lost in the woods and I, whatever, it doesn't care. It's just going to do it. You know, it's going to do its thing. Some people say, Oh, you go out to uh, Alaska, trying to kill you. Well, Alaska is trying to kill you. That place is crazy. But you know, and for the most part, nature is true. It, it doesn't play favorites. And it's, if it's a hurricane's going to come, it doesn't care if you are a millionaire or you're a pauper, it's going to hit you. And I love that about it. I love that it doesn't play favorites. I love that it's true. And then what I love about it is it's up to me is how do I prepare, whether it's my gear, whether it's my uh, know-how, whether it's my observation, how do I prepare to play in its space? Because it's certainly its space. And, and if I can invite other people into that world and let them experience that ultimate truth and, and just, and change their life through that. And then we get to be outside and be in this, this amazing playground that God's created. 
it together, that's, that's my favorite stuff. So in some ways we've combined like our event we had this year, winter strong, and that was taking, uh, the sports and strength and conditioning world and mixing it with the outdoors world. Because if you're in the outdoors and whether it's a, a backcountry hunt or a ice climb or a hike or whatever it may be, there's certain physical components that need to be there. And so I felt that the top end people from both worlds needed to know one another. Um, it wasn't for an advantage for me. I just happened to know a bunch of really great strength coaches and I happen to know a bunch of really great people that are experts in the outdoors. And there was no reason why those people shouldn't know each other because their lives could be better if they were able to deep dive with one another. So we had a, a kind of an off grid event with about 50 to 70 people. They were handpicked and we put them together and it was an awesome event. And people go, man, how'd you come up with this? This was crazy. It's never been done before. And I'm going, <laughs> it's easy. Just take the things you like and put them together. It's easy. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, it's like, it works. Like <laughs> it's not hard to figure out. Well, I, <laughs> I bet I'm assuming that they got along really well because everything you were saying about nature, I actually was drawing parallels in my mind about the weight room, you know, it being wow. unforgiving and it doesn't yes. care. Weights don't care either. You can either lift it or they you don't can't. care. They're yeah. heavy. And if in a certain amount of weight on your back is trying to kill you, <laughs> yes. yep. like that's what it boils down to. You put 500 or more pounds in your back. I don't care who you are. It's trying to kill you. <laughs> and you need to prepare to do something with that weight or probably just re-rack it. And so I guess I just love the accountability. And, and maybe that's, that's a perfect parallel. I never thought of that. But the accountability of lifting and the accountability of the outdoors is extremely similar. Um, but what I realized was out of that entire group of people that were there, no one knew everybody beforehand. They I've heard of this person. I've heard of this guy, this girl and the beautiful thing. And then to bring in the third part of the triangle, what I love to do is to make others lives better. And so if 50 or 70 people that weekend walked away having a good time and they were able to connect on a, a real personal level with some people, maybe they were old friends or maybe that there were new people that hopefully they'll do things and keep up with for a lifetime. Then that's my way of making an impact on this world positively, where if I die in a car wreck on the way home tonight and I'm gone, then my legacy of doing something good for this world is still here. And the more times I could do that, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, Bert, you talked about legacy. I had a meeting with a young um, coach today, and he asked me a really good question. And he asked me, how, how do you do the job that's so demanding and not neglect your family? So he was asking me, okay, how did you do it? How do you do it? And how do you do it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I, I've seen you do it, but and, and I've, I've seen, I, I told him, we. I've been a part of a staff where we look to include each other and each other's families and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, different events that we would have, we would invite each other's families. Our, our spouses would drop the kids off at the weight room at the end of the day and they would be in our offices drawing on the dry erase board or, uh, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite is uh, when, uh, I had my two daughters and, and Josh Stoner's two sons, they made a scary movie in our office. 
and, and you see the lights flicking on and off and they're recording it. It was it was fun. It was crazy. So I just told him, you know, you just try to combine them as much as you can. But yeah, what do you say to that? How do you not neglect your family when you have a you're the president of a company? That's it's awesome to hear how you did it, Pat, because it's it's super, it's really, really not easy. And you could get you could get carried away with wanting to change the world or build a company or all that. And, and although what I'm doing, I feel is hopefully for the betterment, um, it's selfish in some ways because I sure like it. I have to, I have to take that into account. It's like lifting weights. Yes. It's allowed my business to flourish and things like that, but there's a lot of it that Bert just likes. And I'm, and, and so I have to realize that it, many times I am being selfish and I, I have to, and Starla's probably a lot of the same way as my wife, Leslie is just, she, she shares me well. And that's something that I can never thank her enough for because we have people coming in and out of her house all the time. I, she'll get the, you know, the, Hey, so-and-so coaches are coming in when, uh, tomorrow. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm gone for the next two days. And <laughs> like, that's kind of, that's kind of the heads up on that one. And the answer is always like, okay, do whatever you need to do. And I can't stress how important that is. And it's not fair for her. Um, I wish I could change it, but it's, it's, where we are right now. And, you know, I incorporate the kids as much as I possibly can, you know, whether they're here training with pops or, you know, Ezra and I, uh, we trained the other night at the cave. That's my little home gym. Um, and we do it as much as we can, but the reality of it is it's not enough. I wish, I wish I was able to tell you that I've cracked the code and everything's always great. And I don't miss my kids. Like, you know, I brought my kids to, or my one son to school this morning um, my daughter wasn't up yet. My youngest son wasn't up yet. And when I get home tonight, they'll be asleep. So that was that day. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. And, um, Starla did tell, tell me to tell you, hello. So oh, awesome. You're one of her favorites. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's great. Yeah. She's great. We appreciate that. Uh, can you tell our listeners how they can find you? Sure. Uh, they can find me, um, Sornex.com, that's our website. You can hit info if you need something there. Or if you're IG or Facebook, I'm Bert Soren, B-E-R-T, uh, at, uh, yeah, B-E-R-T-S-O-R-I-N. Uh, it's pretty simple, um, pretty easy to get a hold of. And I don't know, come to Summer Strong and hang out with us. Awesome. The one last thing we want to um, ask our listeners if you can, please share this. We're trying to help as many high school coaches and teachers as possible. We'll have more content coming that can help. So please share it. Uh, anything that you can do just to help make our world a better place. Right, Bert? That's it. That's what it's all about. It's the only thing we can leave. The free wisdom of Bert Soren. Pass it on. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, I've learned enough from Pat. Uh, his uh, Summer Strong last year speech <laughs> Uh, hey, there's there's people still talking about it around a campfire. So. Well, this is going to be take two because he's speaking at this one. Oh, he sure is. <laughs> he and, he and yeah, yep. this is going to be pretty good. So we're excited oh. about it. Uh, you said last one was going to be pretty good. And I think there was <laughs> about 50 grown, big, strong, scary men in the room with tears in their eyes. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think pretty good is a 
is a slight understatement. The, the <laughs> Summer Strong is pretty special. So if you're out there and you've never been to Summer Strong, you need to get to Summer Strong. You can see why. Bert Soren, president of Sorenex, you heard more about him as a person tonight, and uh, we're excited. This is a great, great interview. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Sorenex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.